This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, sharing the hyperlocal, controversial and quirky stories of the Waikato region. I'm your host, Gary Farrow. Renters United has collaborated with the Lawrence and Gibson Publishing Collective to produce thousands of copies of the great New Zealand novel, Rat King Landlord, to share across the country for absolutely free. Goeco in Kirikirirua Hamilton will be holding a launch event and author Murdoch Stevens agreed to speak to us on WTS via Zoom. My background, I guess I had this really strong moment of when I was about 22 sitting on the bus in the US. Um, it was sort of my second time outside of New Zealand. And I just thought, you know what? Writing is going to be the thing for me. So for the last 15 odd years, I've been um, directing my energies into writing and publishing, um, which is not the way to make money and to buy a house. You know, if you want to make money and buy a house, direct your energies into a trade or into something where they're giving you lots of money. Uh, writing and the arts are not it. Um, so that meant I was also a renter. And um, I think the year was 2019. And I was in this flat and they just put our rent up 19%. And um, we're like, hang on, that feels a bit much. But this was at the height of the whole housing crisis getting really bad before COVID shut things down a little bit. Um, well, actually, it got pretty bad then too. And we, so we um, had this property management company and we were trying to trying to actually just find someone to talk to about it because we had all these problems with the flat as well. You know, the windows wouldn't shut properly. They'd all be rattling in the wind. This is Wellington after all. And um, so the flat definitely wasn't any better than it had been. It was a pretty miserable little place. Um, and we couldn't actually find anyone to talk. That we basically wanted to talk to the landlord and say, listen, we know that you've got your costs to cover all this. There's 19% really what you need if you're not going to fix these things. Uh, and we couldn't actually find out who the landlord was, which was pretty funny. I guess that's how it's set up. Hey, you use a property management company because you don't you don't want to have that much to do with with your renting situation. So we were sitting in the kitchen um, one night, and we're like, you know what? Maybe it's the rat in the compost. Maybe that's the landlord. <laughs> it could be them as well as anyone else. And we'd had these big uh, newspaper stories at the time about um, all these giant rats that. Um, we're coming in from the town vault. Um, so they just got us talking in the flat, like, well, okay, if the landlord was a rat, would they really want our uh, money each week and rent or what What would go on? And we, I think we talked for about an hour about this like bizarre idea that the rat in the compost was a landlord. Um, so then it was just sort of taking this idea of this one rat becoming a landlord um, to its absurd but also logical conclusion, which was the novel Rat King Landlord. 
So, yeah, there is this absurdity, and this is an archetypal part of the New Zealand experience almost, is uh, lots of people being in flatting situations and being uh, exploited uh, and underserved by uh, some landlords. Um, and I guess you personifying the story of the rat um it turns out not being so absurd. <laughs> well, yeah, and I don't know. I, I just wrote the book. I, I don't. I don't always interpret it. Lots of people get their own ways of of thinking. You know, like people just encounter this and they think that I'm trying to say that all landlords are rats, and that wasn't really the intention of it. Like, I'm not really into the personal politics of of the housing crisis because if you want to solve it, you don't really want to get people's backs up. It's not it's not sort of a personal thing it's a structural thing it's to do with the rules and and sort of how we've got into our mind about making money um so that's why i always say you know the book is not all landlords are rats it's about one rat becoming a landlord um and it is it is i don't know if absurd's the right word for um it's a i guess it has to be absurd if you've got a rat learning english and um yeah trying to form these relationships with these humans which it lives with whereas i mean in the book itself i don't want to give too much away but the rat is also somewhat persecuted because you can imagine the other humans aren't particularly fond of these rats starting to own properties and uh, taking over that way so there are so there's a bit more going on you know and this sort of mirrors some of the stuff um if you remember uh oh, it's about in 2015 2016 there was a lot of fear about um, people overseas buying um, houses here and then charging a lot for them. And that became a bit of a trope about these foreigners um, and a lot of xenophobia without a lot of facts or statistics. Um, I think there was a Chinese sounding names issue. And, you know, they're not saying these are New Zealanders with Chinese sounding names. It's not necessarily Chinese people. It was just this big kind of mess around um, other people being the problem. Yeah. This book is being uh, republished um, with the help of uh, Renters United as well. They're part of the collaboration. So obviously it has struck a chord with people who are concerned um, about the political side of it. But um, yeah, it, it sounds like in your case, it's very much more the individual experience and, and the absurdity of that. Um, because it, it it can be absurd. It can be absurd. Yeah. I've had I've had that same experience with property managers and like never ever having any contact with the landlord for the whole three years that I'm in the building. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's a, it is absurd. I mean, the reason that I use the individual case, um, you know, one, it's derived from my own experience, but two. But, you know, I'm a novelist, so I'm trying to tell a story here. I'm trying to connect people to characters. And the thing I love about Renters United is they do a fantastic job um, of talking that political game. I mean, it's great to be in a room with them when someone asks a hard question about renting. And if they asked me, I'd say, well, I'm not the expert in the rental law. I just know what my experiences have been. And I've tried to use my imagination to create this novel. Um, but they have the answers. Um you know, we were giving away some copies of it. And that's the beauty of the Renters United edition. We got crowdfunding so we could make 10,000 copies and give them away or sell them in bookstores for just $2. Um, at a recent festival, we ended up giving a, almost 1,000 copies away. And there were a few people who had come up and say, well, what's the answer to this then? 
And if that had just been me, I wouldn't have had much to say. But um, the Renters United guys could have the last two pages, which, which is their plan to fix renting. And there's 37 points of things that should be changed. Some of them they've already achieved. Um, some they've done little bits on. Um, so it's great to have that. You know, it's really exciting to be able to work with a group that's, um, yeah, that's putting it out there. It's a small group, you know, not that much many paid staff. There's not a lot of money in uh, renters' rights advocacy. <laughs> Um, but they do a mass, massive outsized job in the sector. Yeah. Were you involved with any uh, rental advocacy groups uh, when you were in your flatting situation, or was it one of those ones where you just sort of roll with the punches or lack thereof? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't involved with any at all, no. Um, like, I knew about Renters United. Um, I liked what they did. But they don't really... You know, there's their sort of focus is on that political side, on that high level, trying to change the policy. They don't really, um, they direct people to the local organizations that can help if you're having a really tough time. And I sort of felt like, well, I can still afford to pay this 19% increased rent. Um, so I guess I just have to suck it up and deal with it, um, which, which we did. And I think is what most people do. Uh, but it was, yeah, it's good to know that not only they're there, but there's a whole bunch of other groups that you can go to if something illegal has happened. Or, I mean, you know, in a different situation, maybe if I um, hadn't had a full-time job at that point um, or if I'd lost it around COVID, then maybe I would have um, tried to push back with the other tenants to try and say, listen, 19%, this is not a reasonable increase. Um, yeah, but, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you just feel powerless, right? Like it's frustrating. And you end up just talking with your friends about it. Like I've been to a bunch of parties where someone's just had the same thing happen to them and you're sitting around in a room and it's the most depressing conversation ever and nothing comes out of it. Um, and in fact, that was one of the reasons that instead of just talking for an hour in the kitchen about the novel, I thought, well, I think that one of the things we're lacking is imagination on how things could be different and some of the the turmoil around us. So that's why I thought I would use the skills that I have to try and um you know, jump into the middle of this conversation. The book was originally published in 2020. Uh, what is the difference between its format then and now? Because that's a key part of this of this launch, which is happening in Kitty Kitty Lower Hamilton in May. Yeah, so the first version of the book, um, so I work in a publishing collective here in Wellington. Well, work's not really it. It's not for profit and no one gets paid. But <laughs> I'm a member of a publishing collective and we put out books and we support one another to do that. So it came out in your normal paperback format um, and did pretty well, had a lot of good reviews on that and then ended up chatting to Renters United and they'd read it and loved it and I loved what they did. And we were wanting to find a way to do a version um, for really, really cheap or free that we could connect to their members. Um, and I had been talking to some people at um, a newspaper about how they printed theirs. And I was thinking, oh, maybe we could get a thousand copies done um, if we could, um, with them, if we could try and get the price per book down to something like a dollar. So usually the normal book, it costed us probably about $7 to make each copy. Um, of the original 2020 version and that's like a five size right that's sort of your standard paperback and so we're thinking if we can make one for a dollar then if we sold it for a dollar fifty we'd probably cover all our costs 
But actually what ended up happening, which was awesome, and I think this is off the back of both the success of the original novel and people's seeing Renters United out there doing the mahi in this, uh, we were able to crowdfund $10,000 um, and had a bunch of things we promised to do, such as visit uh, Kirikiriroa um, and do a launch there, as well as in the South Island and around the North Island. Um, and we were able to raise this money, and that basically funded us to make 10,000 copies in a newsprint version. So it's like A3 size, so, um, and it's full color, which is really beautiful. Um, Rob Whitaker, who founded Renters United, um, got in touch with 15 artists and they've all drawn pictures from different parts of the book which is just stunning like it's maybe the best thing that can happen as an author is someone draw you know someone reads your thing and draws or makes something else out of it um so it's printed full color um printed where the dominion post or the um yeah those stuff newspapers get printed um you get ink on your hands if you read too much of it at once yeah it's like a little newspaper but it's the entire novel um and because we got crowdfunding for it and we did a whole bunch of things where we gave prizes and rewards to those folks, we can give it away for free now. So it's kind of rare for a book launch where you go along and um, not only will we have some snacks and a couple of drinks there, but we'll also give you a free copy of the book. Um, and that's partly because it's to help get people connected to Renters United um, and wanting to lift up their work um, and elevate their voice as well. Yeah, so that's pretty special, eh? Like, this hasn't been done in the history of New Zealand before, is what I've heard, that no novel has been turned into this sort of newspaper tabloid supplement, um, full colour, yeah. So, yeah, it feels pretty special. And that's also allowed us, you know, we get it in some bookstores for $2 a piece, and so we've been on the bestseller list on and off for the last two months, which is also pretty um, pretty special. That's awesome to go from bestseller list to being... Uh, printed on an actual printing press and put out in newspaper format. That is, that is, it's almost symbolically putting it across into a a populist popular format, which people can can access readily. And it is so cool to think that you know you would pay for a newspaper, but you don't have to pay for um for your work. Yeah, it's wonderful. I love it. I mean, that's the aim, eh? The aim is, you know, some people in New Zealand read books, um, but not everyone. It's not the main form of entertainment most people choose. So you got to do a little bit extra to get it out there. And so to be able to give it away for free is, um, it just makes us think we're going to get to more of those renters and more of those, um, and it's not renters, it's also like people who own their own homes but hate the situation. that They think this country is messed up because we don't have adequate you know, it, it just ruins so much. Um, and it's people who have family members who are struggling through renting situations. So we can get out to all those people who wouldn't normally read like some book from a Wellington Publishing Collective, you know. Not that we don't have good reach, but, you know, the literary scene is really different from the renting scene. Um, and we have to make that extra work to, to connect to those people. Mm. It is really interesting to to think of that, that people would not normally be reading, but they may be brought into this situation because of the uh, the relevance of the of the subject matter, because basically everybody has some sort of uh, lived experience of it, um, whether it be them actually being renters or being landlords. I mean, it would be a um, 
it would be an interesting um, journey being a landlord as well. You you have these expectations uh, of you to be a reasonable landlord, um, and some, I guess, some who are who are trying and think they're doing good, um, might might still have some improvements to make, and they could realize that from uh, your book. Yeah, I mean, I would hope the book is a bit of a gateway to um, thinking in a bit more of an open way about this. But I also realize, like, I just wrote a novel. It's a story. It's entertaining. Um, it's the Renters United guys at the end with their plan on the actual things that should happen to fix renting. And some of that is down to individual landlords. Like, you know, we do know that there are people who, um, you know, maybe charging too much because they've got some pressures on them from the bank. Um, but it's also down to political parties, you know. It shouldn't be about one person fighting another. There should be a, enough homes for everyone. They should be all, um, it, yeah. It should it shouldn't come down to like having to be, you know, like if if you were a lawyer, for example, you're probably going to sort out your situation pretty well with the landlord. But there are a whole lot of people who don't have those skills to um, to know even what their rights are. Like, say, new migrants to the country, how are they going to know what their rights are? So we need this minimum standard, like, guaranteed for everyone. And it does save a lot of time if you can have that in law rather than based on the goodness of the heart of a, of a landlord. I also, like, I feel like the group not spoken about very much are the people who own homes and have done pretty well on paper in the last 10 or 20 years with those homes going up in value. And they feel like they've got this allegiance to house prices being really high and rents being really high, or it doesn't affect them. But I feel like a lot of the people I've talked to about this book who do own their own homes, they do have those connections to people who have been suffering in it. Um, sometimes when I talk in public about this, I try and sort of, I say, you know, Renters United is focused on the renting issue, but the housing crisis is a really broad thing. Like, you know, renters, well, at least we've got a home over our head, a roof over our head. It's, you know, when I think of it, when I think of my rent going up 19% back then, I just sort of look at the homelessness in Wellington and think I've got it good. And uh, then I I look at other things and, and friends of mine trying to buy a house at a particular time and really struggling to afford anything. Um, just that broad cost of housing issue. Um, they have it really good compared to me. So there's this sort of like... I guess when I'm trying to think of it, I'm trying to think not just in terms of renters' rights, I'm trying to think of the absolute mess we've made of housing in this country. And I try to think of it in a way where we can have an imagination about a system being different where its basic need is met, um, but it doesn't rely on us necessarily slagging anyone off or making the landlord the evil guy, but just thinking in a strategic long-term way about how that would be done. And please don't ask me what the answers are there. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, no, there are I people mean, whose job it is to have those answers, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a discussion to be had by all of us. Um, and, yeah, it's a cultural change that will hopefully happen. But I, yeah. think, I think what's really important about your book is that what well, feels like there is no... Um, there is no bad character in the book. Yeah, let me think about that. <laughs> yeah, no, you're probably right. There's no bad character in it. There's a couple of a couple of mercenaries running around burning down a shed at one point, but um, they're not really characters. They're just nameless goons. 
Uh. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I think that's important because that recognizes that yeah nobody's actually evil, nobody's um, intentionally intentionally compounding the uh, problems with housing in New Zealand. It's just a systemic, constant uh, self uh, self fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean. The systems are set up and have been set up for this to be an incredibly lucrative place to put your money and make a profit. Um, and it just, I mean, I'm not in, against people investing in things, right? Like this is not uh, a war on people wanting to, you know, put their money somewhere where they get a return on their investment. It's just saying that maybe this basic human need of housing shouldn't be the go-to place. You know, if you want to do that, put your money in in the somewhere in the share market and zero stocks or something like that, you know, something that provides a return to society. Um, I always uh, think that, you know, in New Zealand, we laugh at, or sometimes we cry, but we laugh at how the United States works around healthcare, that it's one of the only developed countries in the world that doesn't have guaranteed healthcare for everyone. But sometimes it feels like we have made a similar um, misstep on housing here that, housing is so bad that it's become such a site for people to make money off that we've lost sight of it being a, just such a basic need. Um, and that's not to say we need to go and like take all the houses back and claim them and from people without like recompensing them. But there needs to be a fundamental shift in seeing housing away from being an investment and just somewhere that people absolutely need. Another good point. I think it's it's like housing has become something which is earned rather mm. than something which people are entitled to. And that's tough, eh? That's not the society I want to live in. Like, you know, this isn't like an attack on the rich or anything like that. It's it's just like I think there should be some basic standards. And we used to have this, eh? State housing used to be accessible enough for people. Um somewhat in the distant past, um, but it did used to be that safety net. And I think the safety net's gone. And if you don't have the safety net of housing, like I, I sort of heard stories from friends who are lawyers of working with people getting out of prison and, um, you know, people who have committed crimes, have done the time. Um, one of the most fundamental things they should to get a, a new start, like to try and go straight, they should be able to have stable housing. Like, can you imagine the desperation you'd have if you have to go from hotel to hotel or motel or stay on friends' couches? Like, it's just not good for society that at every level where we need that protection, it's almost impossible to get. Mm. Anyway, enough morality from me. It is a funny yeah. novel. It's supposed to be funny. Um, I mean, there's a rat, right? There's a rat becomes a landlord. He learns how to communicate with humans. That was sort of the other challenge with the book, right? Like, you don't want to write a book that's just telling people off or saying what should be done, because that's boring. And my first task is to write an entertaining book. And I'd like to think it is that. Plus, it's free anyway. So if it doesn't work, you can use it to start the fire or um, <laughs> I don't know, whatever else we use newspapers for these days. Wrapping fish and chips. <laughs> there you go. I don't know if people do that anymore, do they? Uh my local place does, yeah. Do they? Awesome. Oh, well, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I. what do we use it for? Maybe like cleaning up after animals? Anyway, it's a newspaper. It's got a use afterwards. It's free. 
Um, we're launching it in Kirikiriroa at Go Eco on Thursday the 18th, I think it is, um, from about 4.30. And so we'll put on, I think we'll put on some drinks. I haven't checked if they're okay with that. Uh, but we'll definitely put on some kai and we'll be giving copies away and Renters United will be there. And man, they're just super articulate on these questions. So come along with a question to stump them and um, I'm sure they'll have the answer. <laughs> Will do. Awesome. Murdoch, thank you so much for coming on WTS. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of WTS Waikato. If you liked what you heard, you can follow the show on Facebook or find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Free FM, the Community Access Media Alliance and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen. WTS Waikato aims to share the hyperlocal, controversial and quirky stories of the Waikato region. I'm your host, Gary Farrow. If you have any stories you think are worth sharing, email me, technician at freefm.org.nz, and we can try plan something out. You can also get in touch with me via the WTS Waikato Facebook page. I look forward to hearing from you. Mā te wā.
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.